episode 180 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques, happy to be back with you. We don't miss a week around here of more Knicks and NBA talk. lot to get to on the podcast this week. We begin with Knicks news that is going to be pretty... Uh, Pretty interesting to break down. I, I do want to get to uh, another state of the NBA. It can It's constantly moving in the East and the West. Teams that are struggling are picking it up. Teams that are seemingly in good positions are struggling all of a sudden. It's just another week in a topsy-turvy, and, uh, topsy-turvy I should say, NBA season. Uh, but first, before we get to the Knicks, before we get to any of that, I do want to touch on um, a story from the WNBA that we had discussed. And it's more than a WNBA story, obviously. This has been a national story for quite some time now. I don't remember exactly uh, when this broke. The New York Times originally broke the story of Brittany Griner being detained in Russia. Um, we did touch on this story uh, earlier this year. Uh, this was during a, a during you know earlier in 2022, and obviously not earlier in the season. This was during the off season uh, for the NBA, and we touched on it quite a bit. Uh, it's it was it's quite a few episodes ago, but if you search for it, you should be able to find it, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can also leave us a, a five star rating and a review. That'd be really helpful, as always. Uh, I do want to mention uh, an update, and it's a good update, that Brittany Griner, uh, the WNBA star who has been playing in Russia, was detained and, and was you know, potentially going to be sentenced to up to 10 years in prison for a, uh, a really, um, you know, a quote-unquote crime that was just very minuscule, you know, having a vape pen, I believe, and things of that nature uh, that just doesn't warrant that, frankly. Um and we've touched on that. I'm not going to rehash it. Uh, again, I, that's why I'm kind of redirecting you to the podcast we did it on. Uh, if you want to you know, get my full thoughts on the situation. But luckily, the situation is over. Brittany Griner uh, is going to be coming home. I'm not sh- exactly sure where in the process it is. But uh, President Joe Biden did release a tweet saying that uh, Brittany Griner has uh, been in contact with his, uh, with him and his people. He has spoken to her, she's on a plane, and that she is coming home. So, extremely good news. Um, I think that's how it has to be taken. It's a massive, massive deal. Um, Obviously, there's other people uh, that are there in Russia and in other countries, I'm sure, that that are, you know, waiting for the same thing. But anytime you can get somebody back in this kind of a circumstance, it is a very big deal. So... Uh, very excited for Brittany Griner, for her family. She has a long road ahead of her. I can't even imagine what that road is, but I've just been listening to different you know, podcasts, reading a few different articles about what she might be having to go through when, when she gets back, You know, the recovery from this, and how there are certain things she's just never going to, uh, to have again as far as her, you know, um, her emotional standpoint. So, very tough uh, in that regard. Very happy and relieved that she is going to be spending the holiday season uh, in the U.S. where she belongs. And very, very happy to uh, give you a positive update 
on that story. Um, with that being said, uh, let's start with the Knicks now, and we will get to the NBA in the second half of the show. We will touch on the Lakers. We will touch uh, on the on the Celtics, the Grizzlies, the the Suns. A lot to get to. the The Pelicans. A, a lot of teams I want to get to uh, in the second half of the show. But there's a lot of Knicks news to get to. Uh, there's on the court stuff to get to as well. We will touch on that. Um, I want to start on the Knicks side of things with the Cam Reddish situation, which it's it seems like uh, you know the longer Cam Reddish remains a Nick, more weird things with him tend to happen. Obviously, Cam Reddish has had a very good start to the season. He's been dealing with an injury uh, at 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 least it would appear that but to be fair uh the other part of that conundrum is that now that he's out of the rotation you know maybe there's more to it and that's where this is kind of led us here let's start with this cam reddish was traded to the knicks from the hawks i believe last season and when Cam Reddish came to the Knicks, he was dealing with an injury and and never really got going last season. And then there were reports that Tom Thibodeau didn't want Cam Reddish and that this was the front office going above his head and making this deal happen. I remember being thrilled when the Knicks made the deal because they barely gave anything up for Cam Reddish. Kevin Knox was the biggest piece that went the other way. And I, my whole thought was, with all due respect to Kevin Knox, uh, was great. I, I never saw a future for Kevin Knox with the Knicks. And getting a, a player in Cam Reddish who had such a, a brief but really strong college career at Duke and then really, you know, had, you know, had some moments where he was struggling in the NBA, but for the most part showed a lot of promise with the Hawks. And and I thought still because of his age, and and I still think this now has a lot of upside. And we saw a good chunk of that upside in the early weeks of this season, where there were a lot of games where if, if Cam Reddish, uh, wasn't making a huge impact on the court, he was at least playing well on the court. And there were games where he was a very important part of the Knicks success as a, as a role player, but a big time, you know, contributor nonetheless to what the Knicks want to do. Obviously, the hierarchy is Brunson, uh, Brunson, Randall, that's what I meant to say, and Barrett. But after that, you need other contributors to help the team. And Cam Reddish was maybe tops of the uh, tops on the list for the first few weeks of the season. He really shined at times early on now he he reportedly has asked for a trade the Knicks are shopping him but then he comes out of course and says I didn't ask for a trade you know I yeah I want to be here kind of a thing is what he's insinuating at least he's basically just said I I didn't ask for this I don't want to be traded and now there are rumors that the Lakers the Heat and the Bucks have expressed interest in a cam reddish trade my thoughts on it are pretty simple and they haven't really changed since the initial trade with atlanta was done and that is if cam reddish can be a healthy nba player 
and give you 65 to 70 games a season, I think you need to keep him. He is a player that has a lot to give in the NBA and can be a really important piece to what the Knicks are trying to do, potentially. Now, the tough part of this is that if you look back at the reports, Tom Thibodeau doesn't want him on the team, or at least when they traded him, traded for him, he didn't approve of it. So he's clearly at times tried to adapt and and make Cam Reddish a part of this team. To be fair, the early parts of the season, my whole thing was Cam Reddish is playing well and, and Tom Thibodeau is clearly trying to integrate him into what his system is and what he's trying to do. Now, are there off-the-court things that are going on? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. There could be things that, that Tom Thibodeau, uh, in a lot of different regards, maybe still doesn't like about Cam Reddish that maybe he warned the Knicks about, but we don't know any of those things. That That's where we're ignorant in this situation. I don't know what Tom Thibodeau's feelings are now compared to when the trade was done, and I don't know if they've changed at all. He still might be thinking... Why do I have to coach this guy? I didn't ask for him. I don't want him on the team. And if they're going to keep me as the coach, why the hell is this guy still on our team? Trade him. And then Cam Reddish is now kind of saying, well, you know, I didn't ask for this, you know, kind of saying, well, this is on Tibbs, not on me. Or it could be the the other thing where, you know, Cam Reddish knows that Tibbs didn't want him on the team and doesn't want to play for him. And he did ask for the trade and the Knicks are acquiescing. And then he's saying just to kind of, I guess to kind of save face with other teams. No, I didn't ask for this. They didn't, you know, Tibbs didn't want me from the beginning is what some people could assume. And he goes uh, and still wants the trade anyway. And then everything in between, right? Cause it's the NBA. There's a lot of reasons why people do certain things in the NBA. And Ian Begley of SNY, again, on the story here, said, quote, several teams have expressed interest in trading for Reddish since the Knicks acquired him in January of 2022. The Los Angeles Lakers, Miami Heat, and Milwaukee Bucks are among the teams who reached out to New York in that span, end quote. So we'll see. You know, I mean, he's obviously been removed from the Knicks rotation. Reddish hasn't played since they lost to Dallas, the Knicks. We'll get to that Dallas game in a second. But the last two games where the Knicks have won, to be fair, Reddish hasn't played. And we'll get to those games as well. Uh, uh, Stefan uh, Bondi of the New York Daily News reported that the Knicks are working with Reddish and his representatives to secure a deal for him. The 23-year-old said that he wasn't trying to force his way off the team. Post is also reporting uh, that Cam Reddish said that I haven't requested any trades. That's a direct quote. He added, I have not. Y'all seem to know more than me for real. I don't know what y'all are talking about, but I haven't requested no trade. Nothing like that. End quote. So this could be something that his agent is taking care of too. And, and Reddish is just staying out of it and trying to do the professional thing here but but this has been a weird uh mini circus in a way at least off the court since cam reddish became a nick you know the whole why did we bring him here almost trope from 
Tom Thibodeau, at least uh, that's how it seemed publicly, he didn't approve it. Uh, the front office said, doesn't matter if you approve it or not. At least that that's what it seems publicly. Doesn't matter. We're getting him anyway, if you want to believe Tibbs in that situation. To be fair, why would he lie about something like that? Again, it's pu- it, it's a report, so could it, could it have been twisted? You know, things like that. Um, definitely possible. It's tough to read in on these situations. The more I think about it, I was trying to do an outline for myself earlier of my thoughts on this, because this is complicated. This is a complicated he said, he said situation, and it's a classic NBA thing where we won't know more about this probably until a few years down the line because in the moment uh this feels like a situation where uh, here's my educated guess here's my educated guess Tibbs didn't want Cam Reddish the front office said we need him we think he can improve the team the team needs to be improved and last season's team needed a jolt of some kind. A tw- at the time, 22-year-old Cam Reddish could have been that answer, potentially. They trade for him. He comes to the Knicks. He's not healthy at the time. Never gets going. So Tibbs, during the offseason, says, Hey, remember when you did that thing where you went over my, you know, behind my back and got Cam Reddish because I, after I didn't say uh, yes on that? Well, look what he gave you. Is he going to keep doing that or is he going to actually start playing well? Maybe the front office said you got to play him to find out. They played him. He played well. But then maybe there's some other things that Tom Thibodeau doesn't like about him as a player or as a a person. We don't know. We don't know. Clearly, there's a reason that Tom Thibodeau didn't want him in the first place. Maybe those things are still lingering and Tom Thibodeau said, all right, you did what you wanted to do. Now it's time for me to tell you what I think, and I don't want him on the team, and maybe they got rid of him. I don't know. But again, the other possibility that 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 comes to mind that makes some sense as well is Cam Reddish has now seen reports saying that the coach doesn't want him on the team the last year. For the last 12 months, Cam Reddish has seen multiple reports and maybe heard rumors around the, uh, the facility that Tom Thibodeau never wanted him in the first place, and now he's got to play for him. It's got to be hard to play for a coach that didn't want to trade for you in the first place. You interact with him more than you interact with the front office who wanted you in the first place. So it could be a combination of those two things. And again, it's worth mentioning, there could be another variable here that we don't have any information about that could also be contributing to this really weird debacle. I give Cam Reddish credit, the right way, the right thing to do here, uh, maybe not to plead ignorance, but if you don't know anything, like to tell the truth. So if you don't know anything, say you don't know anything, you know? And if you do, be professional about it. And, and I think Cam Reddish is doing what he can here to be professional. I think that Tom Thibodeau has done publicly, at least in uh, his own words, done what he can here to be professional in this situation i'm not saying necessarily anyone's at fault here this is just kind of the business of sports kind of playing out in the public a little bit because of the different reports that we've had and some of them are are very odd in in a way the last year about this situation but the bottom line for me and again i don't run the knicks obviously don't 
I'm not a part of the Knicks organization in any way, is Cam Reddish is a good player, and I think the Knicks need him right now if they could use him. You know, if he's healthy, I think he should be part of the the rotation. But the other the other part of this too is that is that is that other variable, right? Is there something going on behind the scenes that is, you know, kind of splitting the team apart a little bit? Maybe not, again, trying to overblow it a little bit because the Knicks did just win their last two games. But is there something else where there's a rift between him and, you know, Cam Reddish and Tibbs that that just can't be repaired? And the Knicks are like, well, then we have to move him on. Like, that's that to me feels like what it is. It's just a bad relationship because it got off on the wrong foot. You know, if you believe the reports... Tom Thibodeau never wanted Cam Reddish on this team. And Cam Reddish must know about that. If not, his agent knows about that. And he's going about it as professionally as he can publicly. And we wait and see what happens. But what what worries me is that there are contenders that want him. And I'm like, the Knicks want to be a contender. So keep him. He's a good player. He's played well for you to start the season. Like, would it be the worst thing in the world if Cam Reddish doesn't get traded and the Knicks keep him and he plays well for the Knicks? The answer is no. That would be nice. I would like that. So, that's something the Knicks will have to to figure out. I mean, the other part of this too, and this is pretty bad timing from a front office standpoint, is that Obi Toppin is out for two to three weeks with a non-displaced fracture in his right knee. Obi Toppin got injured. This was this was during the second quarter of the Hawks game. On on Wednesday night, he he's he's going to be out for two to three weeks, and and maybe more than that. That he's that that's when he's going to be reevaluated, basically, to see what the the next steps are going to be. So it, it's going to be a uh, a very difficult next couple of weeks you know it'd be nice to kind of fill that spot is cam reddish who by the way is a better shooter than ob toppin so that's where that's where i just kind of go maybe don't trade him because right now especially now that ob toppin is hurt the knicks need some depth and and again i've tried my best to to not totally criticize Obi Toppin, but Obi Toppin before that, and maybe the injury had a little bit of something to do with that. I'm not sure. Not sure exactly the the extent of it or how long he's had those, you know, lingerings of an injury before it kind of culminated here. But Obi Toppin has had an, an you know a an average year so far. He's been okay. You know. He's playing 17 minutes a game. It's roughly what he got last year. And he's averaging 7.5 points or 7.7 points and just under 4 rebounds a game. It's not great. It's really not great. You know, I believe his points and his rebounds are actually slightly down from his averages a season ago. Now, again, season is still relatively young. But we're we're 25 games in, and, and Obi Toppin doesn't look like he's improved much on the offensive end of the floor. 
with that being said, this is he, he can't play, right? So Cam Reddish is there. And if he's healthy, I think you need him. So for me, the Knicks, I, I think you have to keep him and and move forward there and see what happens. But boy, what a what a weird situation. Ever since, you know, the the early uh months of of this year, really. This 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 twelve month period with Cam Reddish on the Knicks has been very odd in a lot of ways. And uh I'll I'll admit, I, I know that uh that reportedly Tibbs and, and uh and the front office were very conflicted, like I said, over over whether or not to get him, but I just think that the sample size he's given you to start the season, unless there is something really insane going on off the court hard hard not to play this guy if he's healthy this guy's a good player 23 years old has a potentially very bright future ahead of him in the nba but again the nba has a lot of mystery around it in some of these things that we don't find out until a lot later so there, there could be very well things that we don't know that are contributing to this and we might uh, we might not really know fully the situation, maybe ever, but really until um, after the season, or maybe even the year after this. It, it's how it tends to go with these, uh, you know. Well, I say, you know, this is what I think, and you know, they didn't think this way, and then the front office responds and gives you a PR statement, and then the player has their say. So, a lot, lot of lot of things in this jumbled mess to. Uh, to sift through very very odd stuff with cam reddish let's take the break here still a lot to get to i want to get to the last week of knicks games where we saw quite a bit of an improvement arguably the knicks two biggest wins of the season came during the last week including a pretty bad loss before that we'll get to all that as well and then we'll touch on the resurgent la lakers and some crazy changes in the in the race in the east and frankly in the west as well all that more is coming up next on the shock shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network lot to get to second half of the show is as jam-packed as i can remember a lot of stuff here to dissect let's begin with the Knicks games over the past week we start with a dud uh, a really tough one against the Dallas Mavericks and one that really had me shaking my head uh, quite a bit again the Knicks going into this homestand had a lot of games where yes they're tough against tough teams but they're they're games on your home floor that, that you need to win the Knicks had just lost a couple of heartbreakers Uh, around a win over Detroit they lost a really heartbreaking loss against Portland a heartbreaking loss against Memphis another stab to the heart against Milwaukee so the Dallas game really felt like a make or break for this you know six games in seven days or six six of of the last seven being at home kind of a stretch how were the Knicks going to take advantage of it and they really didn't until the end uh, as far as the six games at home, the Knicks went two and four, but they salvaged it with the wins over Cleveland and Atlanta. We'll get to those in a second, but the, the Dallas game is one that really is going to 
you know, stick in the Knicks' craw as the season goes on. It, it was a game where, once again, it, again, it was very similar to, I, I thought it was, very similar to the... Um, to the game the Knicks played against Atlanta the first time at, at MSG, you know, in the fact that the game turned so quickly and then the Knicks just let it really get out of hand. And the Knicks have a big, you know, first quarter where they led by 12 after one. And you're thinking, man, if the Knicks keep playing like that, there, there could be a very nice finish to this homestand. And the second quarter, they, they did okay you know they managed to I think it was a five-point lead at the break and they just kind of kept Dallas at arm's length but didn't put them away you know Dallas got back within a possession at one point in the quarter Knicks finished the quarter strong you know Julius Randle made a big shot late in the half to I beg your pardon to cancel out a big uh two-point jumper from Luka at the other end then you know, Julius Randle hits that big three. Tim Hardaway misses a three-quarter court three at the buzzer. And the Knicks have a seven-point lead going into the half. And, and then the third quarter is, again, one of the worst quarters of the entire season. In the third quarter, Dallas goes on a 41-15 to run. And the game was over. They completely put the Knicks away, and it happened so suddenly, right? To be fair, midway through the third, Dallas takes the lead. There's a uh, a three-pointer that Tim Hardaway Jr., former Nick, of course, hits to make it 68-65 with seven and a half left in the third quarter, like mid, roughly the midway point of the third quarter. The Knicks tie the game on the next possession with a Barrett three. Hardaway answers with another three, 71-68, and the Knicks completely collapse after that. Now, I, I get that Luka had a couple of shots in there. Hardaway makes a couple of really tough jumpers, but the Knicks were stuck on 68 for almost five minutes, I think, in the quarter. And finally, Emmanuel Quickly's free throws with under two minutes left in the quarter. So again, RJ Barrett makes that three with 7-10 left in the third quarter. It's tied at 68. Dallas, from that point on, from that point on, Dallas goes and trying to do the math here. That would be, I mean, Jesus. Is that a 23? It's a 20. No, minus the three. It's a 17 0 run. A 17 0 run that ends with 151 left in the third quarter. I mean, just jaw-droppingly bad from the Knicks. Completely throwing it away. Within, what's the time on that? Five minutes and change? Maybe five minutes and 20 seconds of game time. The Knicks completely throw the game away. A 17-0 run. 
that ends with Emmanuel quickly free throws. And then there's, again, no response, no uptick. Dallas finishes the quarter strong. And going into the fourth, a seven-point Nick lead has now turned into a 19-point Mavericks lead. A 28-point, 26, sorry, 26-point turnaround in one quarter. And really, the majority of it happened in five minutes of game time. I mean, that's that's arguably the worst quarter of the season. And I have to throw the Atlanta third quarter in there, but it goes back to, again, the one-quarter syndrome where the Knicks just throw it away in a quarter. They, they're so good at that. It's unreal. Unreal how good the Knicks are at throwing an NBA game away in one quarter. They've done it multiple times this season. So to be honest, going into the Cleveland game, I had no expectations of anything. I really didn't. I didn't know if we were going to see the Knicks play that was from the first half of that Dallas game or the third quarter of the Dallas game. And what we got was what the Knicks have been begging for this entire homestand, which is a response. A response that the Knicks finally got against a a very good Cleveland team that is really tough defensively. Donovan Mitchell will break your heart as we saw the first meeting between these two earlier in the season where he completely, completely put the Knicks away in the second half, especially in in the fourth quarter. The Knicks in this game put up their best defensive effort, I thought, of the entire season. And to that point, it was their biggest win of the season. Certainly against the the highest quality of opponent. Everyone notable is on the floor for Cleveland. And Donovan Mitchell, who had a career high in assists in the first meeting, went off. I think he had 38 in the first meeting. The Knicks hold him to 23 and 5 assists in this game. Darius Garland struggled for most of the evening. And a lot of the other players for Cleveland who can be killers at times, really, off the bench or on the floor as starters, were tucked away in bed, sleeping, counting sheep. I mean, it really was one of the better Nick defensive performances under Tom Thibodeau, period. Really was. I can't remember the last time the Knicks played that well defensively under Tom Thibodeau. It would have to have been two years ago his first season and the Knicks, you know, again, normally the Knicks score 92 and they lose by 20. They scored 92 and they won by 11. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. 92 81 is a college basketball score. That's a high scoring game. So the Knicks really did a good job limiting Donovan Mitchell and his supporting cast. That was a huge win just for confidence again. Jalen Brunson said after the game, we can't let a five-game home losing streak happen again. Heck yeah, you can't. My goodness. That was rough. And again, those are those stretches that can absolutely take you out of a playoff hunt. But then the Knicks backed backed into a corner, responded here with the big win over Cleveland. And again... 
the, the game will be remembered because of the 13 travels that were called. I mean, I wrote the, 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 the recap for that game and yeah, we have to take uh, quotes from our, uh, uh, our, uh, our, uh, why can't I find the word? Our readers, <laughs> um, who, you know, go on to one of our articles and do a live comment during the game on, on what's going on. And we all, I, I, I had it already typed up on my recap, the travel game. And then they, you know, solidified that one of the, uh, commenters had mentioned that this will be called the travel game. And, and it is, you know, 13 travels is the most called an NBA game this season. I don't know if it, it's, it's probably going to be a one-off. I can't imagine, you know, the, the entire NBA, you know, all of a sudden every, every travel is being called. We never finish games, but I, I do also think that for the most part, the Knicks handled themselves well. Obviously, Tom Thibodeau on uh, the Darius Garland uh, non-travel. It wasn't actually a travel, but he thought it was. And frankly, he has every right in a game like that to ask the referee to call it. But I also think that he said a few magic words. It is what it is. Coaches do that. And he got teed up. Luckily, the Knicks had a bit of a cushion at the time. It didn't end up mattering. But it was a high-intensity game, and the travels were, were making it very tough to stay focused and stay in rhythm. But Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and a little splash of R.J. Barrett in there were enough to get the 11-point win and to get the Cavs back for that October loss. I think they play again in January and then one more time in March. But but to be fair, I, I still still wasn't sure what they were going to look like going into the Atlanta game because of what the Hawks did at the garden last time. And I, I wrote the preview article and, and doing research on the game. My whole hypothesis was the Hawks just tend to have the Knicks number right now. DeJounte Murray put on a show the last time he was at the garden. And I had every expectation uh, that the Knicks weren't going to win the game. I, I really didn't think uh, that, that they would win it. But DeJounte Murray gets hurt four minutes into the game. I think that certainly played a bit of a factor. But from an Atlanta point of view, you still had Trey Young, Clint Capella on the floor. I I, I believe that uh, they are a little uh, bit banged up, and they did have to go pretty deep into the bench at times. And uh, is Collins? I guess Collins is still out. So I, I, I know that they were a bit shorthanded, but the Knicks... I mean, after really before the it was so early in the game before the the Murray injury and after the the Knicks were the better team the whole night. They were the better team the entire game, and they took a big lead going into the half. I think they were up by double figures at halftime, and they added on to the lead in the third quarter instead of letting the Hawks get back into the game. You know, a a twelve point halftime lead turned into a 22 point lead going into the fourth and the Knicks added on again in the fourth and put the Hawks away. That's exactly what you need to do. Trey young played one of his worst games against the Knicks. He was terrible. Nine of 20. Oh, four from three. When was the last time Trey young missed a three? In an NBA game, I can't, I'd have to look it up. Oh, a four from three. The Knicks absolutely 
took Trey Young out of his game. 113.89 was the final. I'm actually going to try and look up the uh, the last time Trey Young didn't make a three in an NBA game. It has to be a long, long time ago. I can't remember the last time he didn't make one. And I'm looking at it's the first time this season that Trey Young hasn't made a three in a game. I'm going back to last season now and wow so you'd you'd have to go back to game five of last season's nba playoffs i guess that was the first round of the actual playoffs uh hawks heat game five trey young had 11 points eight rebounds six assists he went oh of five from three that's pretty Again, that's pretty impressive from the Knicks defense. Pretty impressive. And actually, Trey Young was held three-less, if you will, twice in that Miami series. The last regular season game that Trey Young didn't hit a three, you have to go back to March 16th of this year, but last season, he went 0 of 6 in a loss at Charlotte. That was March 16th, 2022, March of last season, in the last NBA regular season game when Trey Young didn't hit a three. So the Knicks did their job defensively. They finished the homestand strong. They have Charlotte, ironically enough, coming up next. Uh, That is on the road. We will see how they do. You know, that was a tight stretch as well. Three games in four days for the Knicks. And they won the last two. So that was a very important uh, get-right situation for the Knicks at home. And we will see if they can rectify that moving forward. And if they can get back to 500 and get over 500 where they really need to be to finish this season. Or at least, you know, they, they need to be above 500 to make the play-in for sure. But they'll need to be above 500 if they want to avoid the play-in should be the best case scenario and get into the playoffs outright. So we will have to see how all of that plays out. I wanted to get a little bit more into the state of the NBA, but because we're running out of time, I'll give you a bit of a cliff notes of what's going on in both conferences in the East. It really has been a nice stretch of play for the Nets. They've won seven of their last 10, but everyone is still trying to catch up with Boston and the Knicks right now, or what is it? A game and a half. Knicks are a game and a half back of of Brooklyn for the number four seed. So it, it is all to play for in the Eastern Conference. And a lot of teams, including the, the Wizards and the Heat, who are behind the Knicks right now, are still very much alive. The, the team that's maybe starting to surprise me a little bit uh, is uh, the Chicago Bulls, who are now four games under five hundred. That was after they won, by the way, the other night. They're 10-14. and 14. They're... 10 games back of first, and now they're three games back of Brooklyn and four. They're not out of it by any means, but they're starting to fade, and so are Charlotte, by the way. The Hornets have been dealing with injuries throughout the entirety of the start of the season. They've now last lost seven of their last 10, three in a row, and they're 11 games under 500. The Hornets are six games out of sixth, and they're four games out of the play-in. And in a very tight East, 
that's a lot right now. That, that's a lot of games to be out in a conference that is this tight at the moment from 4th to 11th. So that is a worrying sign for Charlotte fans. I don't know when they're going to get healthy or how healthy they're going to get, but that is not a good sign. Um, in the West, remember last week when I was talking about the Pelicans being contenders? I, I you know, I, I don't always get enough credit sometimes with some of my predictions. You know, I know I do it myself. I force on what I got, or I fix on, I should say, what I got wrong more than what I got right. Well, don't look now, but the New Orleans Pelicans are the top team in the West. They are the number one seed right now. They're a half game up on Phoenix. They're a half game up on a resurgent Memphis team that has won four games in a row. They now, as it stands, have the third best record in the NBA behind the Celtics and the Bucks. I'm just saying, they've won five in a row, eight of their last ten. Look out for the New Orleans Pelicans, because if they continue to click like this, they will be very difficult to stop. I said Memphis was going to win the whole thing before the season started. They've kind of ticked back into form. Denver is struggling at the moment. A little up and down from the Kings, but they're still in fifth. Utah, despite being a bit Jekyll and Hyde of late since we last saw them against the Knicks at least, they are still in sixth while Dallas is surging a little bit. Portland's getting back on track after a really rough period uh, as well. Golden State is in 10th. The Clippers are in ninth. That continues to remain a story. The Timberwolves are out of the play-in right now, and the Lakers are starting to make up a little bit of ground. I know they've lost their last two, but the Lakers have won six of their last 10. They're actually, on the whole, they're, they're ticking in the right direction. Their trajectory is up overall right now. So that'll be interesting to watch. And the last thing I will say, and I certainly did not expect this at the start of the season, but the San Antonio Spurs have the worst record in the West right now. They're 6-18, and and it's the second worst record in the NBA at the moment. Actually, yeah, yeah, it's the second worst record in the NBA. Only the Magic are worse at 6-20. and The Spurs have lost 11 in a row. 11 games in a row. That is so, so tough. The Spurs, remember, at one point were 6-7. and seven. That feels like ages ago. They were fine. They were right in the mix in the West. And 11 losses later. And they're the second worst team in the NBA. And they're 10 games out of first. Six games out of the play. And that's going to be really tough to make up in the West. Really tough to see the Spurs down there. It's so rare in our lifetime that we see the Spurs in this kind of shape. But here we are. So it'll be interesting to see how their season progresses and they become kind of the Houston Rockets. I mean, the Houston Rockets are only a game above them. So let's be very clear about that. They still stink uh, to high heaven, but the Spurs are the worst team in the West. I, I never thought we'd see the day. I really didn't. We, we went through what, two and a half decades, something like that of amazing Spurs basketball to the last few years. Good Spurs basketball, not great, but, but pretty good. They're bad. They're just not good enough right now and I'm very interested to see now what they're going to look like and one one last little tidbit on the Spurs that, that always uh, would be the opposite normally Spurs are 3-10 and 10 on their home floor they just can't defend 
uh, on their home court. It really is something I never thought would happen in our lifetime and certainly didn't think would happen while Greg Popovich was still the coach. But here we are, and he's going to have to try to dig them out of a heck of a hole right now at the start of this NBA season. It'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. On that note, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening to the show. Big week coming up. There's big games coming up for the Knicks, uh, and we're getting closer and closer to the holidays. Uh, luckily for us, this year, because of where Christmas, Christmas Eve, and New Year's fall, um, we will have uh, shows normally. We don't have to switch up too many of the days. And obviously, you know, it, it's not just a Merry Christmas. It's a Happy Holidays to everybody out there as well. So hope you, hopefully you're all enjoying the holiday season and hopefully you're enjoying it with family and with friends. Until next time, have a great week and I will see you all on the next episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.